WrestleZone Radio listeners, it's October 16th, 2017. It's just a little bit past 10.15 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's Monday night. You know what that means. It's time. It's time. It's time for the Raw Rebellion here on WrestleZone Radio. I am your host, as always, the Folk City Hustler, the wise young Jew, Jared Kushner's Russian back channel, Ross W. Berman IV, and tonight I am joined by the one, the only, Cleveland's own from Dinner with the King, Glenn Moore. Glenn, how are you this evening? I am very well. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. We're currently, uh, I'm, I'm just sort of settling into my new... Uh, my new contributor position here at WrestleZone. We're all kind of the everything's switching around at WrestleZone a little bit right now, and so that's why I'm uh, very happy to announce. Well, saddened, but also happy because it means big things to announce that this will be the final uh, Raw Rebellion for at least a while. We'll be going on hiatus with the with the Raw Rebellion while I try and uh, take back my Monday nights a little bit and kind of brainstorm about what Raw coverage will look like. In the future, but I'm thrilled to to have you along for this kind of uh, this send off, Glenn. Uh, you've been a, a, an amazing uh, contributor over the course of the Raw Rebellion's history. You've let me kind of sit under the learning tree, broadcasting wise. And uh, so, are are you ready to to talk about what was really just a, a, a roller coaster of a Raw? I'm ready, and I I feel honored yet saddened by the announcement of this is the last. Raw Rebellion for for a while at least, but uh, yeah, we're gonna go out with a bang. And I I actually enjoyed this Raw. I enjoyed uh, a good good portion of it, and uh, I thought it was a great go home show for the TLC pay per view for Sunday. I did too. I felt like they really used all three hours of Raw effectively, which is something that they don't really. I mean, let's face it, they don't really do a lot. A lot of times there will be some very low moments on Raw, but this was this was one of the rare cases where it just seemed every hour had something not just big, not just good, but huge, momentous uh, storyline movers, kind of storylines being pushed to their breaking point, uh, all kinds of stuff. We just... We, I. I don't know how to put it other than to just get into it. I'll be reading results tonight from uh, Lavelle Porter over at WrestleZone.com. Much love to Lavelle for all the work that he does uh, covering Raw each and every Monday. We open Raw with an in-ring segment. Out comes Kurt Angle, the Raw GM. Angle says, this Sunday the Shield will take on The Miz, The Bar, and Braun Strowman. But that's Sunday night before Angle can finish the original S.H.I.E.L.D. theme plays, and from the audience, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and Seth Rollins all enter in full SWAT gear. What did you think of seeing the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. classic tonight? Oh, I loved it. I, I, you know, obviously, um, you know, it's been a few years since we've seen the, uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. gear, uh, you know, the three of them come out like that. I thought mm-hmm. it was, I thought it was great. 
Um, you know, I always thought that Raw, well, wrestling in, in general needs a good faction. And, I mean, the debate about the Shield and, you know, how they rank with other, you know, factions of the course of professional wrestling history, I mean, that debate, we can, you know, we can argue that at another time. But mm-hmm. for now, I think, you know, I think Raw and WWE needs a top faction. And I, and I, and I love how they went back to the original, um, you know, the theme, the original gear, you know, the, the SWAT mm-hmm. team gear coming out of the crowd, I thought was great. And um, I was really, I, I'm not going to say I jumped out of my seat per se, but I, it, it kind of, it brought a nostalgia tear to my eye. It felt big time. Like, because I, yeah. I completely agree. Uh, there was a lot of talk. I, in fact, there was one point where I was flipping through Twitter while this uh, segment was going on, and someone said they should have saved the uh, the Shield uh, full blown classic entrance for TLC on Sunday. But then there was also someone that says, "Oh, they should have done this Shield entrance last week." And I think this week was, especially in this opening segment of Raw, was the perfect time to do the Shield entrance in full because it made this raw feel important we're starting off so big we're starting off with not just the gm we're not starting off with the miz like we usually do we're not just starting off with one person we are starting off with the hounds of justice united looking the way we always knew they they did you know because this is the like we said this is the first time in about three years that we've seen them in these classic outfits this is the first time in about three years that they they haven't just been their own brand. I mean, even last week, they made sure that all three of their T-shirts were on display when they were, you know, reuniting the Shield. The new, in fact, Shield T-shirt features three fists with each of their unique individual logos on it. And as we see later in the night, they still have their tradi- their uh, current uh, singles theme songs for all of them. But in this moment, they were truly united in preparing for Sunday. And so I'll just run through real quick what they uh what they basically well, laid down oh sorry what did you want to well, say really quick i mean there was a a special uh member of the shield that was not present during this and i, and I love the nostalgia factor and all you know bringing back you know this before the pay-per-view you know making mm-hmm. it a big time feel but there is one aspect that didn't make the cut the, this, this evening and that is the blonde streak of Seth Rollins. I was Ooh. hoping maybe he'll go a little bit blonde, but maybe that will be like, uh, you know, down the road, uh, you know, adding to the transformation or, you know, will we, will this be a short run with the shield and we're not going to see any of the blonde from Seth Rollins? You know, I don't think it's, I don't think it has anything to do with Seth Rollins. That's why he has the, doesn't have the blonde streak. I think he was all ready to have the blonde streak. He was backstage. He had the peroxide in his hand and then Uh out of nowhere, broken Matt Hardy just walked over and said, Oh, what are you doing? You gonna, you gonna put a white streak in your hair? Cause uh, I, I kind of have a white streak in my hair right now. Are we gonna, are we gonna have to talk about this? And Seth Rollins, of course, realizing that he watched uh, Matt Hardy on the WWE Network and watched Matt Hardy growing up, realized maybe I should let the elder statesman of the tag division have the white stripe, and I'll just continue to be Seth freaking Rollins. Good yeah, I'm just, I'm just spitballing. I wasn't there, but it just, it feels, it, it feels like uh, maybe we're reading too much into the, yeah, into the white stripe and. In Seth Rollins, uh, in Seth Rollins' hair. Well, anyway, Angle 
uh, basically the shield do their entrance and then surround Angle shield style, one man to each side of the ring. And Angle asks the crowd if they want to hear from the Shield. The crowd obviously does. And so Angle hands Reigns the mic. Reigns tells Angle that he made the right choice because when the hounds come calling, you either move or get out of the ring. And if you don't, they will beat your ass. So already, three guys who, well, two very much babyface wrestlers and one Roman Reigns threatened to kick Kurt Angle's ass. This is This is like... This goes beyond just dressing up like the like the Shield of old. They're acting like the Shield of old here. It's a. Uh, it was really kind of fun to to watch them t- tap into that 2012 magic. Uh, what did you, What did you think of them threatening Angle? I thought it was great. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Seth kind of stepped in and said, "Whoa, you know, we're not going to attack, uh, you know, Kurt." Yeah. But um, but I thought it was you know great to have that kind of uh, nostalgia feel. The whole entrance them coming down them surrounding the ring the way they did you know even angle you know kind of selling it like okay what's going to happen here am i going to be attacked or mm-hmm. like what's going on i thought it was great um you know this whole opening segment was was uh you know before we you know continue but i thought it was a great start to the night and definitely uh perked my ears and attention i i completely agree it really made it feel like anything was possible tonight and as we will find holy crap anything was possible tonight um so anyway uh rollin says it's good to be back ambrose says he doesn't want to wait uh until sunday to have the the big three on four tables ladders and chairs match i should have mentioned the ring is literally surrounded by tables ladders and chairs uh, they don't have to wait till Sunday because then the Miz, the Bar, and Braun Strowman come out on the ramp. But Angle tells them that they have to save it for the event if they want their respective matches later tonight. Those respective matches are as follows. Tonight, uh, at the beginning of the show, this changes throughout the course of the night, but at the beginning of the show, it was going to be Braun Strowman versus The Shield in a steel cage match. Uh, and... That, like I said, that changes as the night goes on. But let's not get ahead of ourselves because next we have to talk about not only the greatest trio of the past five years, The Shield, but the greatest trio of the next five years. Are you ready to talk about Elias and the club, Glenn? Oh, my goodness. Now, this this segment. (laughs) Oh, boy. I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be cringe worthy enough to where whoa what a great start to raw and now we have this but i you know i didn't think it was as bad as it possibly could have been i completely agree in fact i loved it i think these three are amazing together especially if the club are going to continue this sort of Nether, almost, they're like the Zack Ryder of tag teams right now. They have done literally everything in their power to get as over as possible with the fans, but it just doesn't feel like anyone's got anything for them at the moment. And so to see Elias out there jamming on the honky-tonk theme song, they do the honky-tonk man theme song, Anderson and Gallows with uh, Elias backing him up on guitar. 2017 is very weird that I have to talk about the fact that they're doing acoustic covers of entrance songs and uh, on Monday Night Raw, but it was it's fantastic to see. If you go to YouTube, I'm sure it's going to be on there because this sets up a six-man tag match, Elias and the club, or as I've been calling them, the Elias Club, 
take on Jason Jordan along with Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews from Titus Worldwide. And this is a real simple, quick six-man tag match where uh, Jordan spears Carl Anderson in the corner and then Crews hits the atomic bomb on him. And real quick, your winners were Jason Jordan, Titus O'Neil, and Apollo Crews. Now, so we've talked about Elias and the club. What do you think of Jason Jordan teaming up with uh, Titus Worldwide? Oh, I think this is just this is this is just one of those feuds slash uh, you know teams put together just to kind of fill in a three-hour raw. There's really no rhyme or reason. I know Cole really put over uh, Jason Jordan and you know him mm-hmm. not needing any help from Angle, his father, um, and, and doing it on his own, and you know obviously was a big part of, the, of his team's win. But this is just, I feel like this is more of a, hey, we don't have much for you guys right now, so we're just going to team you together, and you're going to fill a couple segments on the Raw. Yeah, but I, I, I can't lie. I completely agree that it feels like this was a filler segment that was, like, literally creative had nothing for them. But if creative had nothing for them and ultimately came up with, well, you know what, Elias, people can't help but love him somehow. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's effective. People hate him, but there is that there is that feeling that people love to hate him. Same with the club. So you pair those two together. I think it makes a lot of sense to have Jason Jordan maybe come knocking on the door of Titus Worldwide, or actually it makes more sense for Titus Worldwide to be knocking on the door of Jason Jordan. I mean, this is a guy with uh, with doubts. Obviously, he hasn't had the most stellar career since he's been revealed as Kurt Angle's son. But at the same time, he's a blue chip prospect. I mean, this is an NCAA athlete. This is a guy who pretty much is one of the greatest athletes that Raw has right now. It makes a lot of sense that I think Titus O'Neil being the, I don't want to call him a predatory businessman, but definitely a very, uh, an opportunistic businessman sees Jason Jordan maybe at a lower point and thinks, I could I could snatch up that signing. And so I, I hope we see more from this, but I think you're right. I think it's just a, let's get through this week with these six guys. Uh, speaking of... Ooh, let's get through this week. Backstage, Emma says she is sick of hearing about Asuka. Emma is the one who started the women's revolution, but Alexa Bliss walks in and says she agrees with Emma. Asuka hasn't done anything, which is, I mean, she's been on injury. Not fair. Mickey James body, shame, body shamed her last week, calling her biscuit butt, and tonight they are going to defeat James and whoever her partner may be. What, uh... We're we're less than six days away from Asuka finally showing up on the Raw roster. Do you feel adequately hyped for Asuka's TLC debut? Um, for I mean, I for a guy like you know, like uh, like for like for you and I who are mm-hmm. educated enough to where we know all about the hype of, of Asuka, we all we all know that she's great. Um, you know, we watched her run in NXT. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking at it as a guy that just watches Raw, which, you know, I know a major portion of the Raw audience just watches Raw. They don't know NXT that much. Yep. I thought, thought the buildup is kind of, meh. I think, uh. I don't think anybody's going to be excited until Asuka comes out. They see her entrance. They see what she is in the ring. And, I, and then I think, um, you know, people will be legit hyped and, you know, for Raw the next night, you know, be interested to see what happens with her coming out, but I, you know, yeah, I mean, the buildup is, you know, obviously she's not on TV, she's hurt mm-hmm. or whatever, and you have to hype her up with the vignettes, but, um, you know, I, I guess what I, I guess it's okay with, with what they can do mm-hmm. up until now, and you know, 
Emma, I think, is a great first opponent to kind of show her to the raw audience, to the main, you know, the, the big show, the, the uh-huh. main show of WWE. So, you know, I kind of having hard words to find. It's just been I know, so I, nice I, because I, I, this is my same problem is I, too, I watch NXT. I know NXT. I know who Asuka is. And I almost feel like I completely agree. The casual Raw fan has no reason to be hyped because it's literally just promo after promo of someone who is on NXT, which, let's face it, if NXT promos were working on these Raw fans, they wouldn't just be casual Raw fans in the first place. Um, And then you add in the just vaguely racist fact that they have a Japanese superstar that they are advertising with uh, Chinese proverbs because they're using Sun Sun Tzu all the time. Sorry, I've been watching Sopranos and they mispronounce it Sun Tzu. And so I just I keep picturing that like Triple H gave out the art of war and now everyone's quoting Sun Tzu. But it it just if you're a casual fan, it comes off as problematic. Even if you're an NXT fan, it comes off as problematic because, yes, Asuka's a great warrior, but it doesn't change the fact that it's 2017 and we need to go a little bit beyond ancient Chinese proverbs to uh, in uh, debut an Asian superstar. And so I just I and especially with Emma being her opponent, it means we're either going to get a real quick Curtis Kurt Hawkins like uh, showcase match for Oscar, or it means we're going to get some kind of weird upset and Oscar's going to lose because that's always in the back of my mind is they might beat Oscar one of these days, and I just I don't know I feel like casual fan or serious fan I'm not as hyped as I should be for Oscar's main roster debut. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's gonna. Be, yeah, I, I get you. I, I, I think I don't think Oscar's is gonna lose. I, I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be like a Goldberg type uh, squash match. I, you know, I think Emma will get some offense in, but it's gonna be a quick one, and they're gonna build Oscar as you know the quote unquote next big thing mm-hmm. nothing against Brock Lesnar, but um, oh. you know for the women's division, and you know have her you know as the unbeatable force. Of the women's division for you know for the whole WWE and then Monday night, you know I think we'll see where uh, it leads next to where she actually has her first legit uh, feud. But I think I think Emma's a you know obviously I love Emma. I, I think she's great. I think I, she's one of the more talented you know women's division wrestlers. But um, her time is not now. This is all about Asuka. Ex- we'll see that someday. Exactly, because that's the other thing. I don't want to come off like I'm not an Emma fan. I love Emma. Uh, she's great. I think she has actually a very legit case in helping found the Divas Revolution. She is of that generation. She was, even when she was doing the, the Bubbles and the santino Morella uh, relationship, she was an underrated wrestler. So long ago. Wow. Exactly. She's been around forever, and so... Her time should be soon, but it's definitely not now, which doesn't make her feel like a threat to Asuka, which just means if you know what Asuka is, then you don't need to watch TLC. If you don't know what Asuka is, then you have to watch TLC. And I feel like if it's TLC, whether you know her or not, you should feel like you have to watch it. But that's just me. Let's, let's, we, I feel like we've dissected Asuka enough. We're on the same team, yeah. basically. We're on the same side. Let's talk about 205 Live, because next we have Cedric Alexander with Rich Swan taking on Jack Gallagher with his compatriot, the, the Brian Kendrick. This is a very quick but fun cruise 
cruiserweight match that eventually sees both managers try and get involved, but eventually Cedric Alexander obliterates Gallagher with the lumbar check for the win. What did you think? Because uh, we can we can lump in even. Uh, we won't talk about it specifically until we break it down. But what did you think of the cruiser, the use of the cruiserweights tonight on Raw? This was the first Raw in a while where they didn't close the show. Yeah, um, I love Cedric Alexander. Um, you know, he's absolutely terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the injury. Um, you know, you know, during this little run, his time in WWE, you know, hurt a little bit. And I know the crowd doesn't react to. Um, the cruise rates very well. Like they're kind of going, who are these guys? Mm. But, um, you know, at the end of the match with the lumbar check and some of the moves that Cedric was showing, uh, it kind of, you got, you kind of got that little pop from the crowd, from the crowd, the, the wow, mm-hmm. don't you the lumbar check. The lumbar <laughs> check is a great, it's finish. a beautiful move. It's a beautiful finishing move. And if you get a guy that can, you know, like, like a Jack Gallagher, that can really sell it and kind of get that bounce and really sell a lumbar check. It just makes it, Overall, just a great finishing move. So you you got that wow from the crowd, and Cedric gets the win. I you know, Cedric is like I said, is terrific, and just worked very very hard mm-hmm. um, to get where he is. And um, just this is a great guy. I actually, played Pokemon Go with them. Oh, very uh, cool. Back in Cleveland, <laughs> uh, when he was doing the indie scene before he got signed, but he's a great guy and. I love to see the you know love to see him a little bit further and if he can make you know a main roster a little little push but uh but be- I, you know I, I thought it was, I thought you know that when you get a crowd reaction like that at the end um, to, mm-hmm. to your finisher and what you did at the end of the match I thought it was great and um, at least that you know and I talked about it on this show a lot I'm not really a big fan of the 205 and having it you know on Raw mm-hmm. but um, if Cedric is doing this I'm all for it I agree and I actually I. I think this is one of the rare cases where an injury truly did nothing but help a superstar. Because, yes, it's always unfortunate when a superstar goes down with injury. You don't want to see them lose time like that. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's bad. You don't want to see people get hurt. But ultimately, if they do get hurt, you want to see it happen in a situation like this where, quite frankly, I don't want to say that all of 205 Live is stale. But a majority of 205 Live has grown very tired over the course of the past year that the Cruiserweights have been a division. They don't have a traditional pay-per-view structure. They get one title match every uh, couple months on a pay-per-view. And so it means that every week there's a big match. But it also means that because their division is so small, they've burned through pretty much all of their big matches. Because Cedric Alexander was out with an injury, he feels much fresher than anyone in this match because Rich Swan, great talent, already held the cruiserweight belt. The Brian Kendrick, great talent, already held the cruiserweight belt. Jack Gallagher had a great uh, feud with Neville, but he also is someone who is he's finally got a fresh coat of paint. But I was I was watching it with my roommate and also my girlfriend, and they both said that in his new in his like the new Jack Gallagher uh, suit look where he's wearing dress pants and everything. He doesn't look like he belongs in the division because it's all, it's, it's all it's outside of Enzo. It's all kind of athletes uh, who are, you know, dressed like athletes as opposed to dressed like gentlemen. And it, it just feels like whether it's Rich Swan who's been doing the same thing all year uh, or it's Jack Gallagher who's really trying to find something new. Cedric Alexander is the only one who feels fresh, who feels new, and is still 
doing what got him to the dance because the rest of these guys did what got them to the dance and then they did it again and now they're trying to find something new and Cedric Alexander is is he's the only the only fresh face and it's that that injury that we sort of have to bittersweetly thank for it uh I I'm excited to see where this goes he does seem to be building all kinds of momentum uh love to see him uh Really just get a run with that belt. I loved your idea of a main roster run for Cedric Alexander. I mean, the, the sky's the limit as long as they don't, you know, do what they did to the cruiserweights in WCW and relegate them to the division. Uh, next up, we have Miz TV. Uh, this is, I said, the matches were going to change throughout the course of the night, and that's because in this edition of Miz TV, it's Miz, The Bar, and Curtis Axel. They are basically hosting it jointly, although The Miz, of course, playing ringleader. Uh, Miz says the real reason Angle told them to leave was that Angle was clearly afraid of them shattering the shield. Cesaro grabs the mic, and this is Lavelle Porter's words, um, tries to speak. Cesaro is super muffled due to his mouthpiece. This is a big uh, deal for Cesaro. This is a guy who they used to say couldn't cut a promo to save his life, and now... Now, when he's hurt with a mouthpiece, they still decide to give him a microphone. Do you think, uh, what do you think of, of Toothless but uh, Cesaro? I, I thought, well, I was like, why are you talking like that? Then I remembered, oh, okay. Yeah, because he got his no, teeth knocked into why. his. But I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought, you know, obviously everybody was talking in this promo. Mm-hmm. It, added to, it, it added to it, and obviously, you know, these are bad guys. So the crowd got on him a little bit, um, you know, for kind of not understanding what he was saying, but. Um, I thought it was uh, thought it was thought it was great to have him speak with the mouthpiece, and you know, it took me a second to realize why, but uh, I thought it was great. I agree. I I like I just like Cesaro in the bar. I I like the way that the bar has really brought out some sort of I don't want to call it personality because the man has always had personality, especially uh, especially in the ring, but it's definitely added this kind of punk aspect to him because while Cesaro has always been an ass kicker, now he's the kind of ass kicker who's openly wearing scars basically from the last pay-per-view. I mean, it's not an, a literal scar, but that mouthpiece is as much a scar as anything else. And so it it, it definitely makes him feel that much rougher because Sheamus is a guy, it seems like there was a period where every week you would see Sheamus with a black eye or a giant bruise on his rib from a house show, and now Cesaro is starting to show that uh, grizzled uh, road wear. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to see that. Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus say they're going to win their titles back as a, a tag team match was made for tonight. It'll be uh, the Shield of... Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins versus the bar for the tag titles. Uh, they, the heels talk about beating up the shield with all the instruments of TLC, and then Miz introduces Strowman. Strowman power walks to the ring and says he is going to break the shield. Strowman is going to lock Roman Reigns in a cage tonight, and Reigns will not be able to escape. Miz sa- adds that they officially accept Ambrose's challenge for TLC. As earlier in the night, Ambrose said, we'll take on three guys, we'll take on four guys. Hell, we'll even take on five guys. He's a big fan of the burgers. They're going to take on all five guys. Uh, and so Miz accepts that challenge, and Miz says uh, 
the fifth is about to introduce the fifth member of the team, but then Angle interrupts and tells Miz that he is pushing it too far, and that if Miz wants to add a number another member, Strowman has to defeat Roman Reigns in a steel cage match tonight. But if Reigns wins, the match goes back to being a three on three, and Strowman will have to have some kind of other uh, other challenge for TLC. The Miz accepts, and that is. Our, our two real main events, we have the tag titles being defended, and we also have uh, Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. Uh, this didn't feel like your tr- – like, I feel like Miz TV usually serves more of a purpose than tonight. Tonight it felt like kind of like an audible. You know what I mean? It felt like they, yeah. they needed to change course in the middle of the show, and so they threw Miz TV out there. What did you think of this kind of almost half of a Miz TV seg- uh, segment? Well, I thought I thought it, you know, obviously the need to push the whole aspect of, uh, you know, having to adding add a stipulation to the match. So I, I thought it did its course. You know, Miz is great. Um, you know, Curtis Axel even got a little little cheer. I don't, I'm not for guys, uh, you know, bad guys relishing in a crowd cheering for him. You know, Miz. I thought Miz was great. You know, saying, "Have you looked in the mirror lately?" You yeah, know, that was living like that. That was terrific. Miz is just. Just great, but yeah. um, but oh, I thought uh, you know, I got to the point, I got to the, to the reason why, this segment was put together, and um, it kind of had like a you know old school attitude era with you know guys demanding a match to happen, and instead of the authority figure, um, you know saying no, that's not going to happen, you know they they get it gives them a chance to actually <laughs> get it done, and when that happens, you know it's gonna you know it's gonna, who's going to win, and you know what uh what the outcome's going to be, but still, I thought it was a great uh, great little segment. I'm so glad you brought up the attitude era, because that's exactly where I think the tone started to really set in, was once this segment happened and it realized, I realized that pretty much everything that we talked to, because it's so, I feel like we're so ingrained now, we've almost been trained as fans over the past five years or so, that the First hour of Raw is sacrosanct. Whatever they say at that opening will probably mean uh, implications for the main event. And so this was a nice kind of twist where now all of the sudden, right in the middle of the show, every single main event has a new stipulation. TLC, the main event of the pay-per-view was thrown into disarray. There was There was chaos, chaos the likes of which I think you're right. We haven't truly seen since the Attitude Era. More on that with our main event, because it's not the last time that that, uh, that vibe would be brought up. Next, we get Sasha Banks versus Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox trying to get uh, get a, some, a measure of revenge for being soundly defeated by Sasha Banks last week. In fact, she cuts a great picture-in-picture promo about the fact that I wasn't tapping out last week. I was just scratching my face, and the ref was like, oh, that's a tap-out, and... Uh, uh, it, it almost actually made me think that uh, Alicia Fox was going to come out uh, running, maybe maybe throw some offense at Sasha Banks. But lo and behold, very quick match. Sasha Banks eventually locks back in the bank statement, and Alicia Fox does not scratch her face. She very much taps out. Your winner, Sasha Banks. But after the match, Fox goes nuts, screams that she wants a rematch, and then after a commercial break, backstage attacks Sasha Banks, throws her around until a referee steps in. Fox pushes the referee and tells him he isn't her father. Two more referees swoop in and hold a shrieking Alicia Fox back. 
Alicia Fox has seemingly broken, and I am here for it. What did you think of of uh, nutty Alicia Fox tonight? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> just feels like one of these filler segments, and I hate to have Sasha Banks, you know, be the person involved in this. I think she deserves better. But um, you know, I was, you know, I I like Alicia Fox. Um, you know, she always seems to have kind of like this. You know, she has like a little bit of a a few weeks of, you know, shining in the light, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially with the 205, the whole angle, with, you know, with with Cedric and, and Noam Dar, you know, that was, you know, pretty cool. But uh, then she goes, you know, away for a little bit. Then she comes back and reappears and this happens and then she goes away. And, you know, who knows? It should be suspended or something. I don't know. But She uh, got fined, actually. They, they updated that on fined. Twitter. Yeah, she got fined for assaulting the referee. Did they say how much? No, they an undisclosed fee. Uh, okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, obviously, <laughs> I mean, but you know, like I said, uh, you know, it's just one of these. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. one of those whole hum segments. I like it. I think Alicia Fox, uh, of the kind of enhancement talent that Raw has right now, Alicia Fox is the most dynamic of them because it's not like a, a a Kurt Hawkins where every time Kurt Hawkins comes out says it's time for the Star Factory or that the Star Factory shutting down or that he has the longest losing streak or that he's going to snap the longest losing streak. It always just kind of feels like the same way, whereas Alicia Fox has that. It's it's still a rhythm, and it's still uh, a consistent thing, but it, you never quite know when Alicia Fox is going to snap. She'll go for a few weeks, sometimes even a couple months, of just kind of being – I don't want to call her a generic WWE diva, but just your your kind of standard uh, female talent from before the quote unquote women's revolution. And but every now and then, like tonight, or like we saw with Nia Jax uh, a while back, she just snaps, and it it adds this kind of I don't know, it adds this powder keg dynamic to her character that that makes it just a little bit more three dimensional than I think a lot of people in her position are. And so that's why I always I always like to give the Alicia Fox segment a little bit of a, a thumbs up because it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating stuff. They're probably, it sounds like they're going to have a, a, a kickoff match at TLC. So uh, maybe Alicia, what do you think? Do you think Alicia Fox gets the win on Sunday? No, I think, I think Sasha will get the win. Yeah, I think yeah me Alicia, too. Alicia will just fade into whatever role she has been in for the last, X amount of years. Me too, but you know, I dare to dream sometimes. Um, <laughs> next up, we get an in-ring segment. Enzo Amore. Enzo says he's doing all right, which I would beg to differ. He was wearing too much denim to be doing all right. This is a guy that is, has always seen himself as someone who's very fashion-forward, and tonight he just went full Canadian tuxedo. Uh, Enzo says he heard a few boos, but that's okay. He laments the fact that he doesn't have the cruiserweight championship, and he says it's a conspiracy against him. The crooked GM, Kalisto, and Mustafa Ali colluded to rob him of his title. So it's a conspiracy. People are colluding. It's, uh, I can't tell if Enzo Mori is trying to make himself Donald Trump or Colin Kaepernick, and I almost wonder if that's the, the true genius of this bit. Kalisto comes out and tells Enzo he can blame whoever he wants if it helps him sleep at night. Enzo will have no excuses at TLC. Enzo says he has money stacks taller than Kalisto. Enzo's heel group attacks from behind. Now, this heel group is Tony Nese. It's uh, Arya Davari, Drew Gulak. Uh, a, a whole lot of people attack Kalisto. But then, eventually, 
Mustafa Ali runs down to the ring. Huracan Rana's niece on the floor. Super kicks Gulak. Clotheslines Noam Dar. Drop kicks Davari, but then just gets the crap kicked out of him by Enzo Amore. The uh, the heels beat down Ali and Kalisto. Enzo delivers the jaw Donzo on Kalisto. And who do you think walks away from TLC with the Cruiserweight Championship? Kalisto or Enzo? Uh, uh, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Kalisto keeps it because I don't think you keep you kind you want to take this 205 seriously. And you know that's ha- that's what I potato with the spell doesn't help. You know that's what I thought, but then they kept switching it between like Neville and uh, Tozawa, and then Neville, and then Enzo, and then Kalisto. I. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Enzo walks away with this belt. Uh, he did, Kalisto would certainly have a longer run than Tozawa. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that kind of pause and exhale because it does kind of feel like a coin flip at the moment in the cruiserweight division because you want to take them seriously. But are they? Are they really? Yeah, that's true. I uh, mean, that's... That's just where we're at with 205 Live, it seems. Like, I don't, I, there seem to be stuck in some sort of purgatory. Which I think it has been that way since they debuted. I know they want to give them their own show, the success off the Cruiserweight, you know, a tournament. Mm-hmm. But it just, they just really seem to be in that, just rut, that little, that rut since the beginning. And obviously having Enzo, you know, brings more eyes. There's more people watching the, you know, 205 live, which, which is great. Mm-hmm. But when it, t- when it comes to them being on raw, it just, it just, it just seems like a, it, it, it hurts raw overall. Cause it seems like it just, whatever momentum raw is getting from their main show roster, mm-hmm. it just seems to be thrown off the rails when 205 comes on and it just ruins the flow of the show. It just, and it kind of, it's not, not nothing against Enzo and mm-hmm. the two hundred five live guys because they are very talented. It just it just seems really awkward when these segments come up. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think awkward is the best way to describe the cruiserweight division at the moment. Uh, I don't know. I I got this weird. Cause like I feel like Enzo. It's almost not even. It's it's literally no one in the cruiserweight division's fault because like Neville spent all of 2017 putting in epic performances, not just in the ring but also with his character. Uh, Enzo has been no slouch. I mean, you can hate him, you can say what you want about him, but he has been no slouch on the mic. He has been no slouch uh, in the ring, and so like I just I it pains me to see these guys working so hard for the to these almost Sisyphean lengths where I just keep, you know, they spend two weeks at the top of the mountain and now the boulders already rolled downhill. And so I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried for the cruiserweights, but at the same time, I have a feeling, uh, I have a feeling Enzo versus Kalisto are going to have a lot of fun. A lot of fun at TLC. Speaking of folks that are going to have a lot of fun at TLC, We've got the Raw Tag Team title match. It's Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins defending against the bar. And long story short, elbow off the top rope by Ambrose. Sheamus breaks up the pin. Sheamus and Cesaro hit a modified heart attack with the brogue kick. Rollins picks up the 
breaks up the pin. Sheamus and Cesaro set up a double crucifix bomb. Rollins breaks it up. Rollins hits the ripcord V-trigger. Cesaro spins right into a dirty deeds by Ambrose. Your winners and still Raw Tag Team Champions, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Um... Do you feel like I mean it's it feels like this is going to go to to Survivor Series but do you think the bar are going to hold the Raw Tag Team titles between now and the end of 2017? Yeah, I I don't I don't see them, you know, I don't see the Shield taken away and I don't see there's another tag team on Raw that could legit have a decent program with with the bar with the bar. I I like that. I like the bar, I like their gimmick, I like yeah. their, you know, whatever they're whatever they seem to be adding on because they seem to be adding on to their whole their whole the gimmick or shtick you know each week you know whether it be a jacket or hey, a new shirt or mm-hmm. uh, I, I like it I, I like their look I, and I think when you devote more time to let a tag team gel and kind of let things happen organically week by week we'll look at the new day you know the new day look, look to be a train wreck right off the bat but you give it time to gel you know, tweak some things, and now they're the most popular tag team in the last five years uh, in the WWE. So, um, you know, hey, you know, I, the Shield doesn't need to win, and they don't need to win any belts to be legitimate. You know, they can do their thing, whatever, even if it's short term. You know, they don't need any tag team belts or any kind of title belts to be effective when it comes to the Shield. So, we take that into consideration. I think. The bar will hold these titles throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that. Yeah, I mean, because right now the Shield still, Ambrose and Rollins still have the titles, and so like I, I can see, I can see them holding them maybe until Survivor Series, but the bar, I don't know. I feel like they're at that point where everything is currently, everything has worked. Uh, but I also worry that Sheamus and Cesaro are now at the point where, and maybe this is just part of the story because they were, uh, you know, last year they were forced together as a tag team, and now they're best of friends. So I, I worry that now they've gotten almost too comfortable as a tag team because when we get to the end of the night, there will be a tag team that emerges that I think could take the titles from the shield that I think could obscure the bar as great as their work has been. And so I will get into that, but it just, well, I, I feel like an idiot now. Cause you know, you corrected me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, okay, here, first of all, the shield of the, the shield, when they came out, they gave the night, they didn't have their belts. You yep. would think a tag team no. champions would have their belts. And that's, that so, was, that was why I didn't want to like jump in and like cut no, you off should've. is because no, no, because here's the thing. I don't think who has the belts matters right now, and that's the state of the tag team division. Like that's the, that's ultimately yeah. the problem is Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. And this feud with the Bar has gone on for so long that I don't blame you for believing that the the Raw tag team champions were Sheamus and Cesaro. They feel like the tag team champions. They've been the tag and and you know what? You're probably right. They're going to be the tag team champions uh, probably at the end of the year when whenever this. Uh, Rollins well, Ambrose they, partnership is done. If they do, if they do have a match or Survivor Series or something like that, you know, I can picture them winning and then definitely holding out. You know, holding on to them for the rest of the year. Obviously, it's only a you know a month and a half. So yeah, if I'm saving my spiel and, and, and saving my knowledge of what is is going on, I was a little thrown off. But at the same I would time, yeah, I'll but... definitely say they'll they would win a Survivor Series and 
um, hold on to them for the rest of the year. Yeah, because like I, I feel like what we said right now about the bar, we've said about the club, we've said about um, the Hardys, we've said about literally every tag team on Raw at this point. It feels like the division can't, even when it's at its best, can't grab a foothold. Um, and this has been something that's happened because ever since the New Day left, the New Day were so dominant that the Raw Tag Team division always looked a little flat. They started to inflate it just a little bit, but now it's it's starting. To, it seems like the air just escaped. Jeff Hardy got injured, and then the Revival haven't been on TV in months, and it just feels like the, the tag division is stuck in even a bigger rut than the cruiserweights at this point. Because at least the cruiserweights, they may not have uh, the the backing that the tag division seems to have at the moment, but they're at least trying stuff. They're trying new stuff, whereas this is the millionth Sheamus and Cesaro match. It was Sheamus, Cesaro versus uh, Ambrose Rollins match that I know I've talked about. It feels like the millionth that even just you and I have talked about, and you're not always yeah. on the Raw Rebellion every week. And so it's, you know, it. As someone that has had to talk about this feud over and over and over again, I can just I can just tell you it feels like it sucked all of the life out of this raw tag team division, which is why I yeah. I, I honestly I wanted as as I probably as you're the host I probably should have corrected you, but as someone that's looking at what is the definitive statement of this tag team division, it's the fact that frankly even right now I could start talking and probably go into talking about Sheamus and Zaro as the tag champions because that's how little who has the belt seems to matter yeah, right exactly. now. Uh, well, thank you for letting me crash and burn. I'm sorry. Um, I shouldn't have. I should not have let you. Uh, it's it's just words. Um, backstage, Axel gives Cesaro and Sheamus a pep talk because, boy, howdy, I'd do if I was in their position. Uh, and he gives them a great pep talk. I really like Curtis Axel in this kind of um, general manager role of the Miz Taraj because, like, Miz is the figurehead, but Axel is the one that's been given all the pep talks. Strowman walks in. Axel tells Strowman that life is all about moments. Axel's moment hinges on Strowman winning tonight. Axel needs this to happen. Axel says he needs to fight. Axel is going to find Reigns right now, and Strowman tells Axel to do it. So Axel says he can't right now because he's in a suit. And so then Sheamus says the fifth member of their team shouldn't be afraid to fight Reigns. And so Axel says, well, yeah, I want to be the fifth member, and goes off to find Roman Reigns. Next we get an in-ring segment with Finn Balor, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna go through this segment before we start talking about it because there's a lot to talk about with Sister Abigail, and now there's a lot to talk about with the Demon because Balor says he didn't know what to think when Bray Wyatt introduced Sister Abigail. Nor did I. Did you know what to think when he introduced Sister Abigail, Glenn? Uh, not at all. No, no, none of us did. So we're with you, Balor. We're in the Balor Club on that one. Uh, had Wyatt lost his mind? Maybe. Did Wyatt outsmart us all? I highly doubt it. Balor used to think that the books he read as a kid were just stories. But last week, Balor realized that the monster from those books were real. He was actually going into, in in true Finn Balor fashion, another uh, piece of Celtic folklore about a Sister Abigail-like creature. Uh, Balor says he's going to slay a monster with a demon of his own. Balor's demon has no fear. It dreams about nightmares. And then Balor's face changes from the regular Finn Balor face to a black and orange version of the demon. 
oh my god, it's the special Halloween edition of the Demon. What did you think of Demon S. Pumpkins, Glenn? <laughs> Wait, when you put it like that, uh, yeah, Halloween edition of uh, Finn Balor. I, mean, like, I guess they could make a t-shirt or costume or something, make some more money off this, but uh, I, I just... Dude, I don't even know what to say about this whole feud. and It just is just... It's just gotten it. it's it's gotten weird. Like it's gotten re- like. Cause don't get me wrong, Bray Wyatt introducing Sister Abigail feels like it, it's at least something fresh for Bray, and so I'm here for it. But with uh, Balor kind of changing up the demon thing, it's like why fix what ain't broken? And this is a big fix. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that it's face paint and it's a demon, and even in Japan, it wasn't set on what the color scheme was. But this was. This felt ridiculous. The first thing I thought when I saw it was any questions. It was it was yeah. too, it was too cartoony, and I feel like we've we've jumped that cartoon shark now with this this demon versus because that's even I believe how they eventually updated the they eventually updated the WWE TLC uh, card graphic to be the demon versus Sister Abigail. Uh, so. Uh, who do you who do you think who do you think wins uh, on Sunday, Glenn? Who do you think wins? I'm just gonna go with Finn, uh, but dude, I'm very confused. I'm very I don't get it. Yeah. And I'm, is, is, is Sister Abigail gonna be? Bray and Dre? I I, I don't know. I, I don't know because you know who I think is gonna win this. Um, the uh, uh, I was going to make a joke about the fans winning this, but I no, think no, no. In fact, quite the opposite. I think literally nobody is going to win this match. Even the person that wins this match is not going to win this match. Be awkward because Balor looks, for lack of a better word, stupid for being this involved with Bray Wyatt for this long and taking it to this ridiculous a place. Yeah, Wyatt looks like he has completely gone off the deep end. The fans are going to crap on it. The production team looks stupid because ultimately uh, even even the graphics haven't been Undertaker or even the to the degree that we've seen from Bray Wyatt in the past. Creative doesn't look good. The company as a whole doesn't look good. I mean, I just I, I feel like the only person that wins this match is Anthem. The people that run GFW Impact are the only people that win the Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt match because now WWE is finally fighting in their creative arena, it seems like. I mean, this is just – this is ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I, I'm – I'm not excited for this match. I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be very open because we're we're going on hiatus for a little bit anyway. I can say it. I'm not excited for the upteenth version of Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor, especially with this new coat of paint. Uh, it's it's lipstick on a pig. It is. It is. It's literally. Yeah, it's, I don't. I don't even know what to expect on Sunday. I guess that's good because then if you're a viewer, you're kind of. You know, keeping one eye open to see, you know, you're kind of, it's like a car wreck. You want to look away and, you know, you don't want to look, but you want to keep driving. But but you, you say know, that like we didn't already sit through the House of Horrors match or whatever the uh, hell that match was called. Well, and you, that, had the, you had the, you know, the match with Bray and he had all that 
WrestleMania stuff. Oh God, with yeah. The ring, projecting on the, the ring. This all these ideas, which really I think seems great on paper, and but just turns out to be crap when it comes yeah. to Bray. And now he's just a joke. Now I'm really glad I brought up Sisyphus earlier because you do not get more Sisyphean than the fact that Bray Wyatt walked into WrestleMania 33. As the WWE champion, I mean, you don't—that's the top of the mountain on SmackDown. That's the top of the mountain in the company. It's the WWE title, the one that goes back to freaking San Martino. Yeah. And the slide, and the slide has been dramatic from the minute they started hitting those projections on WrestleMania night. It's been all downhill for Bray, and it's been it—it it was heartbreaking in August, and now it's just getting sad. Now it's just getting to that point of like I I can't even generate the the necessary heartbreak to make this a an intriguing storyline. There's plenty. If you're going to bring a sister Abigail, there's plenty of females that could fit that role, and you don't have to have them wrestle. Just have a sister Abigail come out with with Bray. You know, I'll be all for that. You know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of girls in NXT. Uh, uh, Sarah Sarah Logan, which you know, who was. Uh, in the Indies, Crazy, Crazy Mary, Mary Dobson, Mary Dobson, who who fit that mold perfectly as a Sister Abigail type uh, character. I know she's Sarah Logan and she has this country girl uh, thing going on, but you know she has played that dead girl, so to speak, character. She'll be perfect for 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 this. But to have Bray be the Sister Abigail just. And not only, you know, and I get that Sarah Logan may be very invested in her current uh, in her current stretch in NXT. And so I understand that. But they also not only have this crazy Mary Dobson, they have Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas's actual sister somewhere down in the performance center, like actual the the daughter of the daughter of Black yeah, jo- Jack Mulligan, yeah, the daughter she's... of Micro. I mean, they've got plenty of people that could be filling this uh, Sister Abigail role before they make Bray Wyatt do this almost borderline uh, transphobic uh, portrayal. Like, I just it it feels like so many missteps in one angle that like it's. It's endless. Like I feel like I could do an entire podcast on what's wrong with Finn Balor and and Bray Wyatt at this point, but uh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to keep I don't want to keep kicking this dead horse because you know I feel like we're that's the whole problem is WWE is yeah. kicking a dead horse and now we're kicking WWE for kicking the dead horse let's and so so let's move on to a tag team match Emma and Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James and her partner. Bailey, real fun uh, tag team match between these four women. Eventually, James tries the Mick kick, but Bliss ducks. James hits a senton bomb uh, or hits a senton off the top rope onto Bliss. Bliss tosses Bailey out of the ring. James hits the Mick kick for the win. Your winners, Mickey James and Bailey, with Mickey James picking up a pinfall over the WWE Women's Champion. Who do you think is coming out of TLC with that title, Mickey James or Alexa Bliss? Alexa Bliss. Yeah. I mean, usually the person that is on top before uh, the week before usually does not uh, take home the title uh, for the pay-per-view. But, you know, even disregarding that, um, I don't think Bliss, there's anybody in the Raw roster right now or in this feud with her that could take the title away from Bliss. I, thought she, I think she's a great champion, and 
Um, I don't think anybody could carry that title the way she has uh, for the you know X amount of months that she's that she's had it. So. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Bliss retains and keeps the title. I completely agree. I think it's going to be a great match because Mickey James is no slouch, but at the same time, I think you're right. There's just Alexa Bliss is unstoppable, and I think this will be a good kind of cobblestone on the road to Alexa versus Asuka because that just feels like where we're headed right now. Uh, backstage, Axel finds uh, Reigns, but the only problem is Reigns is with Ambrose and Rollins. Axel amps himself up and walks to the group as we cut to commercial. But then backstage, after the commercial break, the bar and Strowman tell Miz they told Axel to go after Miz. <laughs> or, uh, they told Axel to go after Reigns. Miz looks concerned, to say the least. Miz excuses himself to go find Axel. Backstage, Charlie asks Mickey James how she feels about uh, Bliss making fun of James. Uh, veteran status james says bliss words cut her deep james says she is happy where she is and that she's looking forward to going home with her son with the raw women's championship and it's after that that the miz is walking backstage yelling for axel and finds axel hanging upside down from a forklift Ooh, what do you think of this uh i i don't want to an alleged shield assault. We didn't see the shield assault Curtis Axel. We didn't see them beat up Curtis Axel and put him into this position. But it feels heavily implied. What do you think of this kind of uh, this gangland tactic? Well, I liked it. Obviously, it's a little bit you know comedic because you know Axel's going to get his butt kicked. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know you don't see it. But um, you know Miz. This concern for his mistrage buddy, which I, he should be. I loved it because, A, it makes the shield that much more menacing. Because, like I said, we're trying to make this the shield of old. That's what they did up yeah. at the top by threatening angle. And this really makes it feel like they're dangerous. Because if they're, if they're hunting down guys like Curtis Axel, they'll hunt down anyone. And so uh, it just felt like a very, a very haunting way to remove Axel from the equation on Sunday. Because that was, that was the whole thing. Strowman and the bar said, if you want to be our fifth man, you got to go hunt down Roman Reigns. So Axel wants to be that fifth man. Now that fifth man cannot be Curtis Axel. Uh, I like it. I like it because next we finally get our main event, Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns. Reigns inside a steel cage. If Reigns wins, it will become three-on-three, Shield versus The Miz in the bar at uh, TLC. If Strowman wins, it will be three-on-five, The Shield versus The Miz, The Bar, Strowman, and one person to be named later. Before we get to the surprise twist, what do you think of the fact that this uh, big steel cage match between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman is on uh, is on TV. I feel like I feel like cage matches are kind of TV matches now. Am I wrong? I, I can't remember the last time I saw like a main event steel cage match. Yeah, they. Um, yeah, at your, I I didn't really notice that until you mentioned it. But yeah, you see how what we had Big Show and Strowman in a cage recently. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it seems to happen on TV more than pay per view. So. Um, yeah, I, I always enjoy a good steel cage match. Oh, no, I, I do, too. I just I think it's interesting that because I, I didn't really put that together until I was trying to figure out why they're doing a Roman Reigns Braun Strowman match on free TV because that's always my mindset. But the Strowman Reigns match in a steel cage, they'd like to do the steel cages at, uh, at house shows. In fact, Starcade in November will be getting two steel cage matches. And I kind of like that. I like that the steel cage has become this TV uh, main event as opposed to a pay-per-view main event. Because there are still some pay-per-view cage matches, but it ultimately 
I think it it gives the cage some power that it, it that it lacked in the early part of the 21st century when there were so many different gimmicks out there that how could you even really contemplate closing a show with a steel cage match like I remember even there was a no way out where they decided to close it with a barbed wire steel cage match because the steel cage stipulation just didn't have that chutzpah that it used to um and I felt like this was a great steel cage match. I'm going to cut to the end here so we can talk about it completely because there's a big twist ending. Because Reigns try or oh, nope, I got to go up farther. Uh, basically, all members of the Miztourage and the Shield are banned from ringside, but all members of the Miztourage and the Shield, surprise, surprise, show up at ringside. They all eventually brawl to the back where the shield and the bar start brawling with each other, and Miz, being the genius that he is, decides to lock them in a garage, basically, uh, so that there is no one that can help Roman Reigns, there's no one that can help Braun Strowman, and just as Strowman has seemingly destroyed Roman Reigns, is getting getting ready to climb the cage, Kane's music hits. Kane the man running for uh, mayor in Tennessee, Kane's music hits. The ring is bathed in red. There's fire up on the Titan Tron. Kane climbs through the ring. The big red machine for the first time in seemingly forever is on Monday Night Raw, and he grabs not Braun Strowman, but Roman Reigns and chokeslams him, and then chokeslams him again, and then Strowman hits the running power slam, and Kane grabs Reigns, and Tombstone's pile drives him, Strowman hits another running power slam, and your winner, Braun Strowman, and it is announced the fifth man at TLC will be the devil's favorite demon, Kane. Glenn, what did you think of of Kane's surprise appearance tonight at the end of Monday Night Raw? Look, I have loved Kane for the last 20 years. Kane can do no wrong in my eyes. And I literally popped when I heard Kane's music hit and I see him come out of the ring and there's Kane and all of his glory. So in my eyes, I'm biased because anything Mm -hmm. involving Kane, I am a fan of. But it kind of brings a tear to my eye because, you know, he is running for mayor and Mm -hmm. I believe that's coming up next month. Yeah, uh, November it should be. So I mean, if this if he actually wins, and I'm not sure where he is in the polls. We all know the polls don't uh, don't dictate what's going really going to happen. Um, so, but I, I'm not sure you know how he is how he's doing. But obviously, if he wins, you know the mm-hmm. mayor, he he can't be a full time WWE superstar. So I'm gonna come go on a limb and say this is gonna be the the final. The last hurrah for for Kane uh, when it comes to his WWE career, at least uh, for now. So I think I think it's, it adds a whole element, a surprise element to the match. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if this is it, and this could be the last time we see Kane in the WWE ring for a very long time. Yeah, I think I think you're you're spot on. I think it definitely feels like whether he wins next month or not, Kane's going to be winding down. He's already got an office job. He's already seemingly. I mean, I tried to Google Kane, and it's all Glenn Jacobs right now, unless it's like a, a major affiliate saying WWE's Kane. Like he's 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 getting ready to really do that Dwayne the Rock Johnson thing to where he can kind of put his stage name behind him. And I I think you're right, and I think this was. Honestly, one of the best built 
Kane returns because, like I said, they did everything possible to remove Curtis Axel from the equation, and now I think this even raises the question of who attacked Curtis Axel. Was it the Shield or was it uh, Kane? Because Kane, you know, could yeah. be acting on his own. He's a horror movie villain, always has been, always will be, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he left uh, Curtis Axel hanging like that. But it also, it really paid off what was in a raw that was built around the fifth man because it never felt like that fifth man was in question, especially because if Roman Reigns won, it would have meant Braun Strowman was taken out of a raw main event uh, pay-per-view match. And so that just didn't, that didn't jive with me. There was something about if, if Roman Reigns wins, it'll go back to a three-on-three match that uh, made me feel like, all right, so they're, they're trying to figure out who this fifth guy is. Who is it? Is it going to be Samoa Joe? Is it going to be some guy from NXT? I think that the fact that they went with Kane, A, it's seasonal. They bring in a horror movie villain right during Halloween month, right in October, the spookiest of the months. And also, I think it gives a great nod to, like we said, that Attitude Era vibe that tonight had. Because whether it's Alicia Fox snapping, whether it is this uh, influx main event stipulation that we got all through the night, we're halfway through the show, most of the stuff for the main event was thrown out. It had a very Attitude feel, and who do they who do they pull out for that fifth man but one of the few pillars of the Attitude Era left in WWE. Because Undertaker hasn't been seen since WrestleMania. Triple H, busy with NXT. The Rock is Dwayne Johnson now. Kurt Angle, not wrestling right now. So all the pillars they have of the Attitude Era aren't there. Kane is the only one they have, and it really did feel like it, he just put the the cherry, the big red cherry on the top of this Raw Sunday because this was an immense Raw. I remember I kept checking. It, it felt very slow but very packed. I kept checking my watch and being surprised that we still had so much show left and how much uh how much show they really gave us how much they really gave us to chew on um what were you, what were your thoughts overall of tonight's raw uh glenn well i, I said in the opening i i loved um the, this go home show for mm-hmm. raw i love the ending just because i'm a huge k king fan um and also very surprising that you know here's a guy running for running for political office and he shows up on tv and turns heel uh, it turns heel. So, I mean, if you're running against Kane, you know, I mean. He's, can he's Kane be trusted? Even his coworkers <laughs> can't trust him. I mean, here's here's a guy. You know, I will be there always in office. And Kane, you never know where he's going to be showing up on a wrestling show. I mean, uh, you know. I, you know where I, but where like, was uh, I last Monday? I was yeah. at home with the voters of Knox County. Where was Glenn Jacobs? He was wearing a mask and attacking his coworkers. Is this the man we can trust for Knox County? So that's why I feel like this is kind of like the last hurrah for uh, mm-hmm. Kane. And I, I, I can see him turning on maybe Miz. You know, yeah. maybe, oh, maybe, absolutely. You know, Kane doesn't do something that Miz likes, and Miz gets in his face. And, you know, Kane, it builds up. Kane attacks Miz, you know, helps the Shield win. And then Kane kind of has that that Undertaker moment at the end where he does the fire on the wing post and kind mm-hmm. of walks off. and. That's the last week. Maybe Kane. Maybe Kane drops his mask in the middle of the ring, and lights go black, and that's it. That's ooh, it. Ooh, ooh, I love it. I love it. Uh, I agree. I yeah. think. I think we're getting towards the end with Kane. I wouldn't be surprised if Survivor. Because in fact, this month marks Kane's 
20th year in the WWE. He debuted at Bad Blood. Not Glenn Jacobs, but Kane the character debuted at Bad Blood October of 1997. Here we are, the October pay-per-view of 2017, and Kane is all of a sudden there. In the main event, I, th- I think you might be very much on to something. And speaking of TLC, this was the go-home show. Let's just run down uh, the card real quick. We won't, we won't go quite as in-depth as we did with uh, all of Raw tonight, but I just want to run down the card and, and say, uh, basically give the, give the rundown of what we think TLC is going to be like. Uh, first, we have the pre-show match, Alicia Fox versus Sasha Banks. I think both, you and I are both in agreement. Sasha Banks? Yeah, yeah, Sasha Banks. Raw Women's Championship, Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James. Again, I think we're in agreement, uh, Alexa Bliss, on that one. Definitely. Then we have a five-on-three handicap tables, ladders, and chairs match. The Shield versus Braun Strowman, Miz, Cesaro, Sheamus, and Kane. Who do you got on that one? I'm a Shield with a Kane turn and the Kane send off. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I could either see Shield with Kane taking the pinfall or I could I I don't know, there's something about Braun being in that mix that makes me feel like the Miztourage could get it. So I'm gonna, I'm going to go Miztourage on that one. I'm going to say Miztourage wins on Sunday. We still get Kane walking off into the sunset, but I got Miztourage. Uh Oscar versus Emma. I think we're we both have kind of Oscar. Yeah. Winning her showcase debut there against Emma. Next, Cruiserweight Championship match, Kalisto versus Enzo Amore. I got Enzo. You got Kalisto? Yeah, I'll take Kalisto. Yeah, I, I don't know. The Cruiserweight Championship is a, a coin flip at the moment, as is really the entire Cruiserweight division. Next up, we have a tag match, Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan versus the Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher. Who do you have on the, in that tag match? Um, I'm gonna go with the bad guys and really? Gallagher and and, uh, and Kendrick. That's that's because I, you know Kalisto winning. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you gotta have the reverse with the other okay. two of five match. No, that makes sense. I I think Cedric Alexander's got that momentum. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him and Rich Swan uh, pick up the win. But like I said, it's a coin flip. And then Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. I say nobody wins. Nobody, Nobody wins. wins. Nobody, Nobody wins. Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Who do you have uh, winning Balor versus Bray Wyatt? I'll say Finn. Yeah, Just... I, I do too. I don't see I don't see Sister Abigail helping Bray if we're going to be serious about it. Um, but like that's about as serious as I can get about that match. Um, so that's TLC. That's been Raw. Glenn, I want to thank you again for uh, being on the Raw Rebellion before we go on this uh, hiatus into the great cloud known as the Great Unknown. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure breaking it down with you tonight. Where do you want to send people uh, before we close out this show? Well, uh, Dinner with the King every Wednesday. Myself and Jerry the King Lawler talking wrestling. Uh, this week we have a jam-packed show. We have uh, Jim Cornette on the show along Ooh. with uh, Austin Idol. So we have a, uh, two uh, interview segments. I'm sure Jim Cornette's segment would be very, very interesting. Is he going to uh, talk about the incident with his little Jim? Uh, I, I, I believe that will be brought up. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, uh, Jim Cornette will be on the show. Uh, that drops uh, Wednesday morning. We have some great interviews from the past. Uh, Bret Hart, Terry Funk, Cody Rhodes, um, have been on the show. James Ellsworth was on the show uh, last week. Um, so uh, yeah, dinner with the king. 
You can search on uh, all the podcast apps, podavenue.com slash king. For all the links, we're on YouTube, we're on everything. So that's every uh, Wednesday morning, 8 a.m., Dinner with the King, myself and Jerry the King Waller. And I'm at Ross W. Berman IV on Twitter, rossberman.bandcamp.com. Of course, every Friday I'll be running headlines for WrestleZone. I'll be in charge of all the New Japan coverage. The next big event is going to be Power Struggle in early November. Uh, I will be at Uncommon Ground in uh, Wrigleyville in Chicago on November 11th. And before we call it, I just want to thank each and every one of you that's listening now, each and every one of you that has ever listened to the uh, Raw Rebellion and all of you that have tweeted, all of you that have made this show such a blast to host uh, for the past boy i've I've been doing this a year, but I've been doing the raw rebel I've been doing the raw rebellion with Nick in various forums for the past couple of years now, and it would have been literally just two guys uh, if I may curse for a moment, two guys bullshitting on a podcast had it not been for the the fan base that made it what it is that uh, got us to the places we are. This is not goodbye this is just goodbye for now until we figure out the bigger and better things that will be coming for WrestleZone Radio uh thank you thank you thank you for listening to the show and until the next time I talk to you which will like I said it's not goodbye it's just goodbye for now so until the next time I talk to you thank you for listening and have a good day This body is tired of me Needs some better weather, needs some sleep Got this body and it's tired of me So I'm wandering till I set my body free Walked along the gypsy highway Stopped in bodegas Boulevard, and I've been worshiping at the altar late nights, living hard. And I got this body, and it's tired of me. Needs some better weather, needs some sleep. Got this body, and it's tired of me. So I'm wandering till I set my body free. I was half dead in an all-night diner I was hiding from the starless sky Maria sold me an old typewriter She needed money for her next high And I got this body and it's tired of me Needs some better weather, needs some sleep Got this body and it's tired of me so I'm wandering till I set my body free. My love was born here in the city. She's a rover to her car. A thousand miles from my hometown. What's another thousand more? And I got this body. 
tired of me Needs some better weather, needs some sleep Got this body and it's tired of me So I'm wondering till I set my body free is broken, my leg's on fire, but I will keep on this weary trail, just need to make it to California, and my spirit's free to set its sails, and I got this body, and it's tired of me, need some better weather, need some sleep, got this body, and it's tired of me. So I'm wandering till I set my body free And I still got miles left before I sleep 